All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Rigos Rag podcast. Uh, joining you today, Ian Cummings, Nathan Britton. Jacob was not able to join us today, but that's okay because we have Rigos Rag contributor Connor Forrest who does some nice big picture work for us. Now in the off season, where we kind of get to look at that big picture stuff in a brighter light. Connor, how are you doing today? Doing great, boys. Thanks so much for having me on. This is, uh, this is awesome. Looking forward to it. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's good to have you, man. Got a lot of good perspectives for us, and he's written a lot of good work for us, so we're excited to have him on. Right now in the offseason, not a lot to talk about. The regular season is obviously more fast-paced, but uh, yesterday there was a big event uh, with Bruce Allen speaking to the media. I know that never happens, right? So we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but uh, I think first things first, naturally, playoff season, got to start with the playoffs. Connor, what was your reaction to the um, championship weekend? Because that was, you know... I don't usually spew hot takes, but that could have been one of the best championship weekends we've ever seen. Yeah, and I'm not sure if that's much of a hot take. I don't think you're going to have many people that disagree with that. I mean, it's kind of funny. I I said to myself, uh, I was watching on Sunday, I was with a couple buddies, and I immediately looked at them, and I went, guys, like, it's hard to imagine the Redskins actually play the same sport as this four team. <laughs> it's kind of funny, because once you get the championship weekend, you kind of have the adults in the room. You know, the... The Cowboys and the Eagles of this year and the Seahawks at times and the teams that just aren't really in the same division as the Saints and the Rams and the Patriots and Chiefs. It just kind of seems like the cream, and that's the best part of the NFL, the cream always rises to the top. And, it, you know, there's so many storylines that come out of Sunday. I mean, obviously you have the big call against the Saints and you have D4 lining up off sides with the Chiefs. I mean, I got to tell you, if you're a football fan, if you're a sports fan, I can't imagine you asked for anything better than Sunday. But it was really, really fascinating to watch. I mean, again, it, you know, when you look at what we've seen with the Redskins all year, it is hard to imagine if they play the same sport as the Patriots and Chiefs. I mean, the Saints and the Rams, we could argue, we could talk about it. I mean, the NFC side, I, I think the Patriots were, were probably the better team on Sunday. And I know the Super Bowl is going to be fantastic, but I mean, Honestly, boys, what could you have asked for? Uh, you know, a better game on Sunday. I know two overtime games. I mean, all the controversy. I'll tell you what. I was we were watching it, and uh, the Patriots won the coin toss. And from right there, you kind of knew that they were going to win it because it's like, where's the defense in this game? That was um, it was high octane action. And Nathan, did you kind of get the same thought? It's because it, it's hard not to think about Washington's current state when you're looking at these teams and kind of the, the dichotomy there. Yeah, this was definitely the best weekend for the playoffs so far. Looking back when the Colts and Chiefs played, I really thought that that was, I was like, that has the potential to be the best game out of the whole thing, and it kind of was a stinker. And then the Patriots kind of just trounced the Chargers for halftime, so you really had to wait till the championship week to really get the good games, and I, I don't think you could ask for anything better. In the morning of Conference Sunday, uh, Odd Shark on Twitter tweeted out from Bovada the odds of will either conference championship game going to overtime no was the heavy favorite at minus 640, so you get both of those overtime games. No one was expecting it, and, uh, you know, you always want more football. You, you only get 16 of them, and then you get the playoffs, and you always you, you only you want it to go longer, so to get overtime was awesome. Um, a little bit unfortunate for the Saints how their game kind of went into overtime, yeah. but that's how the could crumble sometimes, and then the Patriots was, I was on the edge of my seat. I'm not a Patriots or a Chiefs fan. I was on the edge of my seat excited, so really fun to see, and I think in a couple weeks here, um, I think we've seen the best games get played. I think that it's going to be very one-sided in a couple of weeks here, but I think it'll still be fun to watch. I'm kind of leaning that way, too, because, I mean, the Rams, they didn't start out hot, and I think, I don't know, I think Bill Belichick will definitely have his way there. I think the evil empire will reign. 
Did either of you guys put money on uh, both games going into overtime? That's a no for me. <laughs> Definitely yeah. no. I did. I don't know. I see all these on where they get tweeted, all these cool prop bets like, you know, will they go over overtime and where will these certain guys? And I could never find them on any of the sites or whatever, and I didn't head on out. So I didn't put any money down, but I would have put a lot of money down on the no, so it's probably a good thing. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, it was a crazy weekend, and uh, four very good teams. This was the cream of the crop, like Connor said, and uh, I think that's a good way to segue into our next topic. Uh, the Washington Redskins, uh, in their current state, they are not the cream of the crop. They're the flat stuff in the in the middle, and uh, kind of sinking towards the bottom right now. Uh, Connor, did you catch Bruce Allen's press conference yesterday? Yeah, I did. I did catch a bit of it. Uh, it was it was very. Um... You know, it's funny. It's very Bruce Allen-esque. You know, <laughs> I, I, I think J.P. Finley said this well, and, and it was kind of kicked around Twitter. It was so, you know, and this is how, how he does it. It's very professionally spoken, very, very polite, but he did a nice job at really giving up nothing. And I think the press were kind of put in a tough position because obviously you've got six, you know, seven D.C. press members down there who love to ask about five years worth of questions in about six minutes, but I didn't really take, take much from it. You know, I thought there was a lot of, we're just going to kind of get this out of the way and kind of address the press in kind of a very basic manner. But I do think you're going to see a little bit more of Bruce in the coming months. Again, after the draft, it's going to be a little clearer. But the Redskins have to establish, a, they have to establish a future. They, they really have to establish a goal. And I think right now, what's angering fans the most is that they don't feel like there's a goal. You know, everyone says we want to win football games. Everybody says, I'm passionate about this team, and I care about this fan base, and I care about winning. Everybody cares about winning. But it's the process in which you get there. And the further we've gone along in, in the Bruce Allen train, and it was the same way with Vinny Serrato a decade ago, it's, it's we don't feel like we know where this train is headed. We, we know that it's going faster. We know that you're loading on the same stuff, but we don't know where it's going. I really think that was kind of continued yesterday. It was good to see, and you got to give him credit. And I think you actually tweeted this out, and I thought it was, really funny. I did, for something inside of me, just felt a little bad for him. Because you could see in his face there's so much more going on. The Redskins are 7-9. and nine. They lost their quarterback. The season went awry halfway through. There just seems to be a big disconnection. And uh, obviously for Bruce, it, it, and for the Redskins in general, not just Bruce, but for Dan to come out, I, I think it starts with being transparent. It starts with talking to the media. It starts with giving the fans a clearer picture of where they're going. Uh, and I think that they're, they're going to solve a little more of their problems. Can you come to expect that? I don't know. And quite frankly, I wouldn't put your money on it. But it was good to see him talk. Again, I didn't take much from it. I don't know what you guys took, Nathan. I don't know what you took of it. Yeah, I actually didn't get down, uh, time to sit down and watch the whole thing. But I got I, I got a lot of the summary of, he does his normal walking around questions and not really playing the political card, not really giving you anything. I think it's good that he, he came out and addressed because I think that with everything that's happened over the past few years and now with Alex Smith and the La Famina and bringing in all these former head coaches and defensive coordinating candidates just to not land any of them and kind of, no, no, we were just trying to get a different perspective. I think it's important for them to, to kind of come out and even though nothing was said per se, uh, kind of just get out, back out in the public eye a little bit. Um, I think it's kind of a tough time for them to come out because they really don't have anything in their eyes. They don't have anything to gain standing up there. All they're going to do is get ridiculed and, you know, a million questions about the quarterback who might not play again or horrific numbers 
uh, TV TV rating wise and all the fans from other teams coming in and their stadium being half empty. So I really think that they're kind of just tucking their tails between their legs a little bit. I think, like you said, after this draft, I really do think that they're kind of going to have to really sit down, you know, at their you know, their suits with their cigars and really figure out what they're going to do with this quarterback position and where they want to go with it because you can't go into next year with Colt McCoy and Josh Johnson. You, I mean, you just can't unless you, you know, come up with that goal internally that you're going to tank for either Jake Fromm or Tua from Alabama, which we'll never know. So I think they will probably address the quarterback situation relatively early maybe it's not uh round one might be round two and i think that's when they'll come out and kind of give a little bit more say look we got we got our guy we got our franchise guy we're going to get this thing going and um on the right track i kind of took the same things i mean there's nothing really to take away from that i mean he he gave a lot of the usual filler but uh yeah connor i did tweet out and i I didn't get a lot of good responses to this uh he, (laughs) he doesn't have a lot of sympathy left in the fan base but uh, part of me does feel sorry for Bruce Allen. And if you're in the football business, your legacy is going to weigh on you, I feel like. And for him, that's compounded because his dad was George Allen. I mean, that's that's a high standard to reach. And I feel like he genuinely does want to win. I mean, every, like you said, everyone wants to win. They've been so close. In his words, yeah. they, they've been so close over the past few years. Seven, nine, eight, seven, and one. One or two weeks out of the playoff race, which... You know, on paper, yeah, you you were in the playoff race until week 15, but roster-wise, construction-wise, coaching-wise, this team is never going to compete. You know, they'll get close. Bruce Allen likes to say close a lot. He likes to throw that out. That was the biggest thing to me is he said they were close. I don't think he really recognizes, like you said, Connor, that there's a process to winning. It just it doesn't just happen after throwing darts. You know, you got to do it the right way, especially especially until today's league with modern offenses and using rookie contracts the right way and building your team with a vision and a you know a, a strategy, not just blindly putting pieces together like you're playing Tetris. I think Bruce Allen doesn't quite get that. I think he and I think he's he and Dan Snyder both might are probably a little impatient, but. A lot of what you got is that they're interested in the results and not essentially the process. And right, yeah, and, and I think uh, I saw this kicked around Twitter too. I mean, I really do genuinely think the more that the Redskins think they're that close, that's actually leading them further away from winning. Yeah, I, I think you have to strip it down, and I think you have to really start at the foundation. I mean, when you really look at the past ten years. Other than RG3, has there really been a quarterback situation that the Redskins have really felt settled on? Because I really am having trouble finding it. I mean, after RG3's injury, it was nothing but Jay Gruden coming in. Can he fix RG3? And then Kirk Cousins debacle. And then you get Alex Smith and you're fine with him. He gets hurt. There has to be a sense of belief. And, and obviously the fan base reflects that. But, you know, I went to a lot of the games this year, and I, I had the uh, pleasure of attending all four losses, which was fantastic. But I remember vividly sitting at the Giants game, and I remember looking around, uh, just looking around the stadium, and nobody there believed. Nobody there had any sense, and this is before the Giants boat race. I mean, you're looking around, and I'm having conversations with Redskins fans that are just there because, yeah, I got tickets back in July, and I basically have to be here. <laughs> And it was sad because, I'm, you know, we're not old enough to remember the Super Bowl years. You know, we're not old enough to remember the years, the glory days. I mean, the best I can tell you is Mark Brunell, you know, in the playoffs and, 
you know, obviously Kirk Cousins, you know, running in 15, but there just really isn't a genuine belief in the fan base. There's no belief in the front office, and it's reflecting in the team. And I think the further that they push the narrative of, hey, listen, we're actually closer than you guys think, the further fans go, listen, I've been on this train for too long. We're nowhere near where we need to be. Yeah. And I think the players actually pick up on that to a degree. You know, obviously you see DJ Swearinger go off the wire and, you know, he gets chopped. There has to be a belief system from top to bottom in a common goal. And it has to be in the open because I feel like sometimes within the team, they're tugging the rope in different directions. And obviously they all want to win. And, and that's, that's obvious. That's a given. If you don't want to win, you're not going to be in football. You're, you're not going to survive in the football industry. You, you have to have the drive to win. But it's the ways of getting there, and it's the ways of everybody pulling the rope in the same direction and that the roster reflects the coaching staff and the trust in the coaching staff reflects the front office and the front office reflects the owner. And I just feel like they're all on completely different levels. And unfortunately, the fan base know it, and they see it, and they just honestly they don't believe in it. Yeah, and, and I feel like it's in dangerous territory here because – the front office, while they've kind of uh, expressed the indifference for the fan base, you know, with the whole fire Bruce Allen thing, nothing happened there. I mean, we, like anyone really expected anything to happen from that. But uh, And then um, the attendance numbers, Bruce Allen in his press conference said he genuinely thought it was just the shoddy depth of the team late in the season that was the reason no one came, when in actuality numbers were down the whole year. People are losing belief, and it's been a steady erosion process over 20 years and they don't recognize that, but I feel like they're at least aware of it, aware enough where we could see a trademark splash move this off season just to buy back some fans. And um, definitely, and that's that's that doesn't attune to the the right way to build the team. You know, the process that we've been talking about, the process that they need to commit to. And I've I've said this in a lot of articles, and it's just it looks like things might get worse before they go better. Yeah, and I, I I definitely want to touch what you guys said because you both made excellent points, and I really like how we look at it as everything's it's a reflection on the coaching staff down to the players and the fan base, and how when we're saying we're close, we're actually getting further away. It, it, you just need to strip down. You look at all these reports coming out. Torian Gray just left to go coach of Florida, same position uh, he held here with the Redskins. You hear the, the Callahan and Tom Sula went out of their deals. And it's a, it's a culture thing. You couldn't get a DC in here. We touched on DJ going off. He went off again on Instagram today about the coach and how we're never going to win big with him. And I really do think that it starts up top with Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen. But I think what people fail to, to see is that Jay Gruden is a Bruce Allen guy. There's a reason that Jay Gruden is still here after missing the playoffs five out of his six years or four out of his five years or whatever it is, there's a reason that he's still here having a 444, getting blown out to a Giants team that's picking in the top 10. There's a reason he's here, and it's because he's a Bruce Allen guy. And I think that just like we see in Dallas with Jason Garrett, where is he that great of a coach? No, but he's a Jerry Jones guy. I think when you when you really get down to the nitty-gritty of it, that's what it is. It's a culture thing, and I see Jay Gruden as one of those guys who you want you want him there as your offensive coordinator, as your offensive mind. But can he lead a team where you don't have the outstanding talent? I mean, this this isn't a 12-win team talent-wise. It's just not. This is a team that probably is around 500, and can you get an extra one or two wins out of them, maybe three, if, if you have that, that motivational coach who can lead men. And I, I think that time after time again, we don't see Jay Gruden doing that. I, I told one of my buddies earlier today when we were talking about it, the 
the video that came out a few years back when uh, Deshaun Jackson was at practice and he gave Jay Gruden that purple nurple and Jay Gruden just kind of shrugged him off and laughed about it. Right then and there, I knew that we were destined for nothing productive with Jay Gruden because do you think that happens in New England? Do you think Tom Brady's going over and or Gronk is going over and giving Bill Belichick titty twisters? No, he's not. He, they're, they're sitting there. They're grinding it out. They're, they're doing what they have to do to win. So when you get down to it, it's a cultural issue that starts up top. And when you have a coach that's coming in and kind of just is is an extension of what's really wrong with the fan base, you lose these position coaches. You lose players drive to do stuff. I mean, you see DJ Swanger, who's passionate. Maybe it was, wasn't was the right way to go about it when he calls out coaches after every single loss. But that passion is there. That drive to win is there. He's gone on multiple radio interviews saying that he's been he's brought guys here that he used to play with in Houston or Arizona. They go to practice and they go, "What are you? What are we doing here? Why is your practice so lax? Why are we just goofing around the whole time?" So, I think that it really gets down to you, you like you guys said, you need to strip it down. You need to get you need to blow out the coach, which I think Jay Gruden's going to be gone midseason next year. I bet he opens as the favorite to be the first coach fired, if not, you know one of the other crappy teams out there, but he's going to be close to it. And I think he's gone mid year. And I think that until we can really get a good culture, this team is, is destined for 500 or a game below it or a game or two below it. I, I really do. It's going to get worse before it gets better. And they have no quarterback. Trent Williams, their core, Trent Williams, Josh Norman, Ryan Kerrigan, everyone's getting older. They're about to have one ILB on the team who has anything projected to do good and he's probably going to get suspended by the NFL. This team has a lack of an identity and just a cultural stench around it. Yeah. yeah and real quick, I, I think the thing that I, I've always had frustration with is that, listen, even if, you know, I, I said this the other day about Dan Snyder, I was talking with a buddy about it. I said, you know, even if Dan believes that Bruce is the guy and even if Bruce believes that Jay is the guy, and even if Jay believes that Greg Winuski is the guy, come out and say it. Be open. Come out and have a press conference and say, hey, Jay Gruden's the guy because X, Y, and Z. And Jay, come out and say, hey, listen, we're, we may be looking for defensive coordinators, but we plan on keeping Greg on the staff. You know, if Todd Bowles came in the door and all of a sudden said, hey, give me the reins, Greg Winuski's staying on the staff. If, if they believe that the pieces that they want are still within the organization, you've got to come out and say that. Because the fact of the matter is it works just like any other company. If your boss is not telling you, is not giving you feedback, or is not going out and saying, hey, listen, you're doing a good job or you're doing a bad job, there's a sense of unease and there's a sense of I'm not sure what's going on. And I feel that's going on with the skins as well. If you believe that Jay's the guy and Greg and Bruce, come out and say it. Just like they did when you know they chased out their marketing staff this year, they came out and said they're not the guys. Come back and just tell the fans, hey, listen, the people that are in their positions, when Tory and Gray leave, come out and explain that. You know, put a, put a press release out there. When Ben Kotwika gets an interview with Atlanta, put out a press <laughs> release. Just be open about it. Because quite frankly, I think that's another frustration. There's just a lot of dishonesty. And when somebody's being dishonest or somebody's hiding something, you feel like there's bad motives behind it. And I think that's where the fan base is right now. Yeah, exactly. You, you have to come out and eat. And eat. If, like you said, if you think that the guys say it, Jay Gruden is still here, come out and say that we're rocking with Jay Gruden. He's a guy that we have a lot of belief in. We think he's this, this, and this. I mean, you got to come out and say it when when the rumors are swirling all season long. Is Jay Gruden losing the team? Is Jay Gruden going to lose his job? All this, that, and the other. 
come out and, and let it be known. But part of me thinks that that's just, we look at it, that's not who the Redskins are. They are constantly with Bruce Allen and, and Dan Snyder. It's a, it's a CYA environment, man. I mean, you, you come out and you have a, they come out and they die on that Jay Gruden Hill. Where does his fingers get pointed when they go 4-12 and 12 next year? It gets pointed at Jay Gruden and who hired him, which is Bruce Allen. So that's why, that's why you don't see that. It's, it's constantly cover your ass and you can't come out, you can't come out and die on a hill. That's why the Adrian Peterson signing, Doug Williams came uh, on local radio and said that he went out, he, he made that signing and that Bruce and Dan were furious with him. They were, he wasn't, he didn't consult them. He conducted the, the tryout, the contract stuff and got him on the team. It turned out to be a good move ultimately, but that's the type of stuff where he went and he said he was going to die on that hill. You don't see guys, these guys doing that unless it's positive. Uh, Bruce Allen's going to come out and take all the credit for the Alex Smith trade, but now it's it's you know Alex Smith not play again. They have all this money tied up in them. There's no one coming out saying you know we believe in Alex. We believe he's going to come back. We we think that he's going to be the guy for the future. We just wish him the best in his recovery. It's a lot of we're not going to talk about it. They want privacy, which I get. You know you don't want to talk too much about the guy who's injured and what that family's going through because it's not easy. But at the same time, they're not coming out and, and planting their flag with Alex Smith, which no one would believe them if they did. But that's the type of stuff that, that good, competent guys in charge do. They come out and they, they, they plant their flags with their guys. They die on those hills. And the Redskins just refuse to do that unless it's positive. They come out and they're all proud of Scott McLuhan. Look who we got. We got the white knight. He's going to come and save the franchise. Uh, well, you know what? Now he's got alcohol problems and we're not even going to discuss it. It's just—it's toxic. It's—it's it's a toxic environment. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Someone brought up the Lafamina firing too. I want to touch on that real quick because Bruce Allen and his presser said, you know, he actually mentioned that they brought in some new guys in the front office and said that they have a passion for the fan base and stuff. And all I remember is Lafamina during his interview last summer saying. DC is a sleeping giant. Like this guy had all the passion in the world, and you listen to stories from fans about how Lafamina, you know, stayed late at the stadium and talked to people, and actually wanted to kind of uh, resurrect the Redskins' reputation in the area. And they were building, they were working towards it, but just because he didn't align with what they were doing, you know, they they painted him as a scapegoat, and mm-hmm. it's just kind of a habit they have, and. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, absolutely. it's very telling. It's very telling. Uh, I'd love to talk about this more guys, but we are almost out of time. So quickly, uh, there's another big event coming up and, uh, we all know the old adage, a blind squirrel always finds an acorn sometimes. So maybe the Redskins will get lucky in the draft. And there's a big draft event right now, at the senior bowl down in Mobile, Alabama, Connor, how attuned with you are, ugh, how attuned are you with, draft knowledge i can't speak today my bad no it's exciting i mean the draft coming up is good here's the one good and like honestly ian i I like to wrap it up on a little bit of a positive note i'm a silver lining guy so (laughs) i'll be honest with you i think this is this is one of the better draft situations redskins have been in in a couple years i know immediately people go oh they're picking 15 the middle of the pack i'll be honest the great thing is is if you look back in the past few years, in 2015, the Redskins knew Pierre Garçon, Deshaun Jackson are leaving. You got to go get a Josh Doxson. It was either Laquan Treadwell or Will Fuller, or Josh Doxson. You kind of knew the Redskins had to get a receiver there, you know. And, and obviously, the past two years, their defensive line has been as poor as it has. You get Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. 
I think coming up, the good news is this draft is so deep in a lot of the positions that the Redskins need. Yeah. You've got a lot of receivers out there. You've got a lot of edge rushers. You've got good interior guys, good secondary guys. I think the Redskins don't – I specifically don't feel like they need to be hell-bent on getting a quarterback in the first round at all, and I would even argue the second round. Because I'll be honest with you, you know, no matter who comes in here, I mean, if his name is not Haskins, comma, Dwayne, I'm not sure if he's really going to make that much of a difference this first year. So I think the Redskins need to build their foundation. I think you need to go get an edge rusher to match a Ryan Kerrigan. And if you don't feel like that's the best spot, and maybe you can fill that gap in, in free agency, you know, go get a secondary guy. You know, I, I know people want to you know, chase Josh Norman out of town, but if he goes – your secondary is in shambles. I mean, I know he, he hasn't played as great, but the good news is in the draft, you've got some guys who can help there. Uh, the secondary. You know, Deion Thompson, I believe, from Alabama, he'd be a nice fill-in because you know how Clinton Dix is more than likely out the door. And, you know, you know, like we, we, we talked about, I mean, Monte Nicholson, who knows. But, you know, I really think the skins are, are, are set in the first round because there's a lot of, of talent there. And I think they're finally in the position. I know last year... We talked about best man available. I think they're finally in the position to really take the best man available. So um, I think this draft could look up to the skins. Hopefully, um, you know, hopefully they, they go after one of these studs because there's plenty of them. So, you know, I, th- I think the uh, the draft, at least, the, uh, the uh, prospects are looking up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. This draft is super deep, I think, everywhere but quarterback and running back, really, which quarterback, it might be better to just wait for a year. Although, you know, the Redskins might – want to splash and take Daniel Jones top 10 and put him in an awful situation but uh you know it's one thing what they should do and what they will do we'll kind of balance that balance that conundrum over the course of the offseason Nathan are there any prospects at the senior bowl maybe not even at the senior bowl just guys in general that kind of stand out to you so far yeah I think you know we all we have attention automatically in terms of the quarterbacks and we know this class isn't Really hailed as a great one. Um, I'm enamored with Drew Locke. I really like Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, but I don't think he's going to be uh, attainable. Um, but I, one of my biggest things has been the secondary, and I think that the secondary and this linebacking core is really – they build a bully on defensive line the Redskins have, and once you kind of get past that, it, it gets weaker and weaker as you go. Um, I really like DeAndre Baker out of Georgia. I think that kid is a – I think he's going to be a stud. I think he's real physical. I think he's going to be excellent. I think that if they were able to get him at 15, they're going to slot him right in opposite Josh Norman, or you put him in the slot if you really like uh, Quentin Dunbar or whatever. But I think that he's going to be a stud. You look at uh, Deontay Thompson from Alabama, the safety spot, I think that's good. I also think they might try to finagle some cap room and go uh, – get Landon Collins should he become available from New York. So I'm really looking at the secondary. And, and you know, in the in the first round, uh, DeAndre Baker, Greedy Williams, who probably, again, will be there. Deontay Thompson is really where I'm looking to kind of solidify that secondary. Um, but, I mean, ultimately, this team can't really go wrong anywhere unless they pick a running back in the first round. You know what I mean? Like, they have needs everywhere, whether it's – age, whether it's lack of talent, whether it's just depth, they, they, anyone they pick in this first round really should be a, a good pick for them unless they reach for a Kyler Murray or, you know, some, some, some project quarterback like that. So I really would like to go out and see them add to this defense, uh, either right in the front seven or in the secondary, or maybe they go out and get 
15 would probably be a little bit too high for uh, Brown out of Oklahoma, Hollywood Brown, Antonio Brown's cousin. Um, I think that it'd be a little bit too high for him, but to go get a wide receiver is something I really would like to see. So, like you guys said, they're in a great spot. It's a deep draft. They really shouldn't you know, go wrong anywhere. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, the buzzer is almost here. So, really quick, uh, Super Bowl predictions. It's that time of year. Connor, why do you think the Pat – who do you think is going to win? Me, <laughs> me and Nathan both have the Pats, I guess. We said that before. Who do you think is going to win? Because you think it's going to be a little closer. Honestly, I, I can't imagine the Patriots don't win this. I mean, I've, I've, made, I've made myself look stupid, uh, Betty and Tom Brady, before, and I don't think this year's Super Bowl is going to be any different. I got the Patriots, and I think they'll actually handle it pretty easily. I don't think J.R. Gott's ready for it, so I'm taking the Patriots, boys. I'm joining you. All right. I think that this this Super Bowl is really going to be looking at uh, past and present. I think you look at Bill Belichick, arguably the greatest mind uh, of all time, greatest coach of all time, and Sean McVay, a guy who, if you've shaken his hand uh, in the past 10 years, you're getting a head coaching job. (laughs) So I think that the Patriots are going to handle this one, but I do think that I don't think this is going to be Sean McVay's last time there. I think it's going to be a tremendous learning experience for him. I really think that he's going to, you know, take everything that he's. You know, he's proven to be that evil genius on the offensive side of the ball, and I really think that this is going to be a great learning experience, and we might be seeing uh, the second coming of Belichick. All right, so three votes for Belichick, but there is a silver lining for McVay, and uh, in two weeks we'll see who's right. Will McVay prove us wrong? Will Bruce Allen learn, or will he botch another offseason? We'll have the answer soon, but for now, guys, uh, we're going to leave you to think about it. Thanks for tuning in. As always, uh, peace out. Have a good night.